This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and I hope you had a lovely August break. I really did. I think it was so important to kind of take some time off, have a little break from recording new episodes, give you a chance to catch up on some of my favorite past episodes. There's tons more in the archive that I could share with you. Um, So I really hope you did enjoy listening to those. Now we are back with a brand new guest this week who happens to be a very, very good friend of mine and also someone who has really grown with me on this journey of feeling good about food and exercise and doing a lot of hard inner work, which is what we get into in today's episode. I'm joined by Victoria Spence, who you might know online as Victoria Neve. Um, you may know her as one of uh, my co-hosts of the Fit and Fearless podcast that we did together, um, as well as having previously been on this uh, podcast with uh, Zana earlier this year. So if you haven't listened to our previous episode, go listen to that because it was so much fun. But we really get into Vic's individual journey and story and just a heads up a bit of a warning we will be talking about eating disorder recovery and discussion of eating disorder behaviors so just bear that in mind if you're not ready to listen to that then maybe come back to this when you are but before we get into this week's episode i have a couple of things to tell you about firstly train happy retreats are back now i hosted my first UK retreat a couple of weeks ago now in August and it was so wonderful to be back with people in person having these conversations with people who just get it and the common theme of everyone in that room is that they felt like no one else could really relate to what they were going through and yet by coming to this retreat it was just a weekend of people who got it who knew the struggles, who knew the difficulty, who who know what who you know, who know what diet culture is and how it impacts us. Um, and it was great. It was just great and it was fun and we moved our bodies, we did workshops, we ate amazing food by our private chef Kerry who has done all my retreats uh, and it was just wonderful. So we have launched 2022 dates. We will be doing a UK retreat in February 2022 as well as a European retreat to Greece in September 2022. There are already only a couple of spaces left as of recording this for the UK retreat 
which will be two nights away in Somerset in a gorgeous country house, um, really doing the workshops, moving our body, curling up by the fire. And then we've got Greece in September where we're doing five nights away in the most gorgeous villa with the most stunning views surrounded by um, kind of those crystal blue waters that you see. And so I'm really, I'm really excited to go to Greece in particular because it looks amazing. Um, and it'll be really special to have more time to do more workshops, enjoy movement, hiking in the local area, swimming in the sea, doing our dance party workouts together. Um, as well as soaking up the local area, we're going to be in uh, Chennaiya, uh, in Crete. I think I've said that correctly. And it just looks beautiful. Anyway, I'm going to leave all the details in the info box for you. Um, places are going super quick. Like I said, limited spaces are left, but I wanted to tell the podcast family about it ASAP. So you made, you know, so you didn't miss out. And then before we get into this week's episode, it's time to bring back Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So this week's Train Happy Trooper is Sophie. And Sophie just has shared one of my favorite Train Happy moments to date. It's so lovely. If you know me, you'll know why I love this. During lockdown last year, me and my sister started choreographing our own dances to songs from musicals. There we go. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I want to do the dances. Coming from a dance background, dance has always been something I love. And whilst we have choreographed our own stuff before, lockdown prompted us to start dancing again. Most weeks last year, we'd have a dance party and it really just took off from there. And now we have over 20 dances choreographed. We even started teaching our brother, who isn't a dancer, and making the moves really simple for him. It has honestly been so much fun, and last week, because my brother moved into state for work, we did a dance party over Skype. Dancing has always been my favourite form of movement, and I'm so glad to have reclaimed it during my eating disorder recovery. Thank you, Sophie. I think this is such a lovely train happy moment to share because dancing is so joyful in its essence you're moving your body to music because it feels good and you feel connected and it feels fun and and I just love all of that if you want to get to know Sophie a bit better then you can find out more from her we're sharing our train happy troopers on the week with giving them the spotlight over on our Instagram page at train happy podcast so get to know Sophie more over there And if you would like to be Train Happy Trooper of the Week here on the podcast and on our Instagram, then get in touch with us. You can direct message us on our Instagram at Train Happy Podcast or you can email us trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. All right, enough from me. Let's get into this week's episode with the brilliant and insightful Vic. Hello and welcome to the Train Happy Podcast, Vic. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Do you know what? It was only a matter of time. Um, You have been on the podcast before, we should say that. This is not your first time on the podcast. Um, You came on earlier this year with Zana, but for those listening who don't know, we go way back. Um... 
we are friends now for like over seven years and we have grown and changed so much in that time different people different people but still friends like if I met us seven years ago I would not recognize us yeah yeah that's so true isn't it it's crazy like how old were you 19 18 19 yeah I was 22 23 when we met and wow we were going through like we were going through it which I think is why we initially bonded and met we we really were like in the midst of our own stuff um and we kind of had that common ground but yeah how were you like what was your first impression of me well (laughs) you had I love oats club yes on Instagram hashtag well yeah I feel like back then there wasn't many influencers and even though we were using Instagram as more of a blog to post food and exercise stuff yours was purely purely um food wasn't it but even though we was using it like that, we weren't classed as influencers. I, th- I think influencers only really existed in America. So I was always obsessed with the American influencers. And I think I followed one American influencer and you was doing this I Love Oats Club. So hashtag I Love Oats Club with her. And I was I loved oats at the time. And I would spend at least an hour every morning to make the most perfect oats and I'd be so excited to come on and hashtag I love oats club and see if clean fit lifestyle liked or commented on my post. So I was clean fit lifestyle for those who don't know that used to be my username clean fit lifestyle. I think it says it all like it like that that username does you know it was very on brand for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was I don't know if I, I think I was probably fighting Fitbit then. I think you were. Yeah. So yeah, then we we met. I, I don't actually know how the how that happened. I think I think there was a group message that said we were going to body power and people followed various people and we all just kind of grouped together and said, obviously none of us have real life friends who are doing these things, but we had these online friends. So we thought, well, we're all gonna meet up and go together. Mm-hmm. Um and there was a bigger group of people, but uh you, Zana and I like particularly were drawn to each other and particularly bonded um, at Body Power, which is like a bodybuilding fitness convention, which Mm. also just goes to show like how different we were at that time. You you couldn't pay me to go back. (laughs) I'd like to go back, but almost like for a documentary or something, because I just think it's really interesting. I think it's a really interesting group of people and reasons why people are there and the whole mentality behind like prepping for the event and just being there to be seen to be looked at for your body to be judged even if you're not on any sort of stage you're literally just walking around trying to get free sachets of protein (laughs) everyone was there to be judged and to think like I my body looks a certain way Mm -hmm. and is my body good enough to maybe walk up to a brand whether it's a sportswear or whether it's protein powder or anything for a brand to look at me and want to sponsor me yes 
That was huge. That was big. And that's a path you went down more than I did. Um, so yeah, let's let's start at the beginning of your journey so everyone's kind of on the same page because when I met you, you said your username was Fighting Fit Vic. You were recovering from anorexia, um, which is something you dealt with before I met you. And yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so I trained as a dancer and in my third year, I think it was like second year going into third year, I decided that I wanted to get the most perfect body for the dance world because we were we were really having it drummed into us in second year that our bodies were our CVs and I'd been to a good few auditions in second year and I knew that like and not in a really big-headed way but I knew that my talent was so much better than some of the girls who were getting through um the rounds when I wasn't getting through them but when I looked at their bodies they had what I would class as the ballet board what we used to call the ballet board when we was at um dance college and it they were just super tall really long thin legs just naturally super tiny and I was more of a I was just a bit more muscular I wasn't supposed to have the thigh gap and and all of that I just didn't I didn't have the ballet board but I didn't have the awareness that we have, there are different body types. Like naturally there are different body types. I didn't have the awareness of that. So in my head, I'm looking at these girls who I know, you know, talent is either the same or I was better than them. But I was looking at them thinking it's because I don't look like that and I need to look like that. So I, from second year to third year, I was like, I'm gonna spend this whole summer getting the most perfect body I'm going to come back in third year and I'm going to have that thigh gap and I'm going to be super thin and the the goal was never an eating disorder it was never to get like you know ill or get super painfully thin it was just to get the ballet board that all the other girls had and in the pursuit of that I ended up I guess like making friends with the scale and everything became about how can I lose more? I need to lose more. I'm not there yet. I need to go further and further and further. And I remember I went to an audition at the start of third year and I didn't get the audition. So I was like, oh, it's it's my body. It's because I need to lose more. And it just completely spiraled out of control. And I was diagnosed with anorexia. Um, So from that period I don't really know exactly how long I was in that space for like probably about a year I was super underweight um and it it was only when it got to a point where I I was literally either gonna get better or I was gonna die there was no way that I was gonna be able to continue living the way that I was And I had my, like, I always call it my rock bottom moment. Um, I had my rock bottom moment and I just kind of woke up and was like, what am I doing with my life? I've, I've gone on this journey to try and achieve the perfect body for the dance world. Yeah, I'm suspended from dance college. I can't even go and dance. Um, I'm not going to any auditions because I can't, like, look at me. 
I need to do something like this isn't how my how my life is supposed to be and I'm really really lucky that I was able to get the support and the guidance and honestly I thank myself for like having my soul and knowing that there was something better out there for me and that was my reason to recover and so yeah I was kind of on this journey of recovery and the day I started my recovery was the day I started my Instagram account because I, 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 I'd love to know what was going through my head because I think if I was going through anything now and I hadn't, I didn't have Instagram right now, I would never think I'm going to start an Instagram account to tell people who I don't know about what I'm going through. But I must have just been desperate. I know, I know that I completely closed myself off from all of my friends and family. And so I felt like I was so alone. And Instagram at the time felt like a place where nobody knew me. And I didn't think I would ever end up meeting anyone. I didn't think anyone would even follow me. It was just a space where I could go and just document what I was going through. I just used to post how I felt after my therapy sessions and what I'd eaten that day. And how I was really feeling and how my anorexia recovery was going and as I was doing that there was more people following me who had um, eating disorders too and they were trying to recover and it got to a point where I think I maybe hit a thousand followers and I was like oh my god I remember I did a post like hi everyone (laughs) thank you I just reached a thousand followers that's amazing hi thank you for being here and there was people messaging me saying you're you're my biggest inspiration like watching you recover is helping me recover and I thought then I'm not just doing this for myself anymore these people are are watching me and hoping that I recover recover to give them hope too so I need to do this and yeah I basically just committed to my, my recovery from there and and here we are so when we met you were yeah going through the like early stages of recovery but then you kind of transitioned from okay I'm eating enough but now I'm controlling what I eat because I'm gonna meal prep every day and I'm gonna enter bikini competitions and I'm gonna um still try and mold my body in a way but I'm strong hashtag strong not skinny like that was the kind of vibe and that that was a really big thing at the time and I felt that way too you know strong not skinny was very in um but then there was all this pressure to get muscles and have very visible abs and have these defined glutes and that felt like another body standard to achieve Mm -hmm. and I know you've kind of said before and we've had you know conversations publicly and privately about you transitioning to that time but would you say in hindsight whether you even you probably really didn't realize it at the time, but in hindsight, it felt like a sort of faux recovery of like, this is another way to, okay, so I'm not undernourishing myself, but I'm able to still be in control and, you know, keep track of everything um, because of the kind of bikini competitions and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really important to know that even with my eating disorder, I'd never, even though in my head, I thought I'm going into this to get the perfect body for dance, for the dance world. Mm. Really, it was never about any of that. It was Mm. actually about, like, there was a period of my life when I was 18, 17, 18, and things at home weren't 
very good. I was like going through it, but I never, I never dealt with that because I wasn't somebody who dealt with stuff. I was and didn't know who, how to. Like no, no one taught us how to deal with stuff. No, but I, like I had I had friends who, if they were going through things, they'd cry and they'd come and tell you and splurt it all. I wasn't that person. I, I, I was the person who everybody else came to and I smiled my way through my problems. Like I remember one time that it was over a period, I think it was over Christmas and my granddad had died. I was so close to my, so close to my granddad and I was absolutely hysterical for the whole of Christmas. It was the worst Christmas ever. And I remember driving to school um, the first day back after Christmas and my friend was in the back of the car and she said, oh, how was your Christmas? And my mum, I was like, oh, it was okay. Yeah, it was good, thank you. And my mum said, no, it wasn't. You've you've just spent the whole of your Christmas hysterically crying. You had the worst Christmas ever. And that was, that's literally a whole what's the word that's just how I was yeah yeah you very like yes sort of it's a very British thing it's like stiff upper lip hold it all in keep controlled keep calm Mm -hmm. be in control of it yeah I feel you on that because similarly equally had really difficult things happen to me at the same age and you know with the death of my dad and I just wanted to be fine so I thought if I just convince myself I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But then there's all this unresolved stuff and it has to go somewhere. It doesn't mm-hmm. disappear. It has to go somewhere. And so we both sort of channeled it into food and body and our, and weight loss. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I, I went through that period of time and the, when I when I was 18 at home and that was definitely the catalyst of my eating disorder. I hadn't dealt with it and it needed to go somewhere, like you said. And for me, that was channeling into perfection. If I could be perfect, then everything was going to be okay. Even if I felt horrendous in here, if I looked perfect, it was all going to be okay. And so when I'd recovered from my eating disorder, and I do believe I recovered from anorexia in that time before I went into bikini competing, but I definitely, I was in almost like a quasi recovery in a space where I knew that I was never, ever going to go back to having anorexia, but I knew that I still needed to be in control. And over, over that that period of time from recovered to going into bikini competing, I became a personal trainer. And we both did. We became mm-hmm. personal trainers at the same time. We literally did. We graduated on the same day and everything. Mm-hmm. But unlike you, somebody who's really good at talking to people and really good at putting themselves out there, at the time, I was not that person. And to go onto the gym floor and try to sell myself on my services, I hated it. And I felt so out of control. And I was, I just thought, I know that I'd be a really good personal trainer, but actually getting the clients, I can't do it. I'm just not great at talking to people. So I found myself in another place where I felt completely out of control. And so I remember just messaging this coach thinking, in my head, the the rationale behind going into any kind of prep was, right, if I 
do a photo shoot because at the time like the way the way that you sold your fitness service was by having these muscled up oiled up photo shoots your body was your cv Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think do you know what I think looking at my whole life I had always used my appearance to get myself out of any situation that felt uncomfortable I'd always been told that like at least you look good or you stand there and just be pretty and I think in the back of my mind I always just thought okay if I feel like this now my appearance can get me out of it my appearance if if I look perfect on the outside then everything's gonna be okay and so when I went into competing I actually went out to try and just do a photo shoot so I could have these images to use to sell my services and my coach at the time was like why don't you try competing and I thought I'd seen Americans do bikini competing but I thought um I don't even I don't really know what you do but okay I'll do it and so I did it and to be honest prep that I did for the first show I actually quite enjoyed it and I enjoyed the experience I enjoyed the show but I won that show, which meant I was then going to be through to another show at the end. So this was in like May, I think. I was going to be through to another show at the end of October. And so that meant I was going to have to be in a prep from May until October. And for anyone who's thinking, what on earth is a prep? A prep is basically every single morsel of food that I ate had to be weighed um, and planned. And I was given all of these macros by a coach, but he basically told me exactly what I had to eat right down to how much oil I was allowed to cook my food in. How many and almonds? How like many almonds? 12 out. almonds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, and then it was like how much exercise I had to do. So he would always change my weight plan and then he'd increase my cardio or decrease it. And it was all based on every single week I had to send pictures of my body and then I had to stand on the scale and let him know how much I weighed and when it when we got to the end of this whole prep thing I remember the last month I kept saying to him I don't want to do this anymore I'm just I don't know why I'm doing it I feel so unhappy and I've never shared this with anyone but I remember there was one night and I was crying hysterically because in the back of my mind, I felt so scared that I'd gone back to having anorexia. And I felt so scared that I was not going to be able to get myself out of this. And I thought, this is my life for good. Like, this is what my life's going to look like. But when I finished the competing, I was just kind of like, I thought that having this perfect body, having the abs, and having striated shoulders and being so muscly, I thought I was going to feel really happy and really confident. Yet all I felt was like a loner because I didn't go out with any of my friends. Like all of my school friends at this point had just stopped even trying to do anything with me. My partner was being cheating on me. My boyfriend at the time was cheating on me. And I just felt so lost and unhappy in who I was. So I was kind of like, what is the point? Like there is more to life than this. And it was when I finished competing, I and that was six years ago now, almost six years ago, I've, I then went on this journey, which was definitely not all uphill. 
of trying to find a normal relationship with food, trying to feel okay with whatever my body needed to do and trying to not base the whole of my self-worth on my appearance. And we've got here. (laughs) And it took six years, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a journey and like, we've so gone through similar stuff at a similar time. And I'm so grateful for our friendship because we've been able to make this progress together that I don't think we would have had. And, you know, we have got to this point and like you say, it's been ups and downs and like forwards and backwards and twists and turns, but Mm -hmm. we did do it. And yeah, I just wonder, like thinking back now um, to the kind of fitness industry, I find it really interesting that, And this isn't to blame any individuals who are part of your kind of experience, but I just kind of a a thought of like just the industry as a whole that particularly this is going back to like 2015, 2016, bodybuilding and competing and bikini competing was so huge and popular at the time. And like Fitspo and fitness on Instagram was bikini competitors, wasn't it? Like Mm. the question we always got, well, I always got was like, are you going to compete? Are you going to compete? And I never wanted to. And and I'm so glad I didn't want to, but it was the thing to do. And like, if you wanted to be sponsored by a fitness brand, which were protein brands Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, like you were some sort of bodybuilder, bikini competitor kind of vibe. Like you couldn't just be into fitness. You had to be a fitness model Mm -hmm. and so that was what fitness was. Um, and yeah, I I kind of wish that the industry as a whole, like didn't see someone who's in recovery from anorexia and goes, I know what would be a really good idea. An extreme diet <laughs> and mm. a competition where you're being solely judged on your appearance and the, you know, a completely um, objective uh competition where it's you know a lot a lot of idea of like what other people think of you and whether you're good enough or not um I do think I don't know I mean you've been in it but it just feels like to me that that kind of place like is a is a breeding ground and attracts a lot of people who already may have a really difficult relationship with food in their body And they think it might be a way to solve their body image issues too. Like you said, like when you finally got that trophy, because you came third in the UK. That was right. I'm right in saying that, aren't I? In Britain. Yeah, yeah. You came third in Britain and you're there like, I'm in, you know, apparently the third best body in Britain. Like, and, and, and what? And I'm still not good enough and I need to improve this. I need to improve that. And you could still pick apart all the things you wanted to grow your glutes and et cetera, et cetera. Like it still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe there are a lot of people in fitness, especially in that space who are like looking to solve these internal problems with this external solution. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that wasn't my body. That's not what my body was supposed to look like. And I think when we see people, even today, either going into competing or 
trying to change their body for photo shoots or even trying to change their body for weddings. When it's not your body, then, you know, you're always going to look back at the pictures and either wish that you still looked like that or just be like, that wasn't even me. Yeah, I think that's a really good reminder because I don't know about you, but I can still today, having done so much work, and we'll kind of get into that, um, I could still look back at photos from like five years ago, six, you know, four, three, four years ago and look back and go like, wow, you don't look like that anymore. And and kind of get down on myself about it. And then I'm like, nope, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> like you say, like, this is, this is my body. This is how it's meant to be. This is what I'm meant to look like. Like, why, yeah, why um, beat myself up over it, over something that you're not meant to be and yeah do you ever feel the same way have you ever like had those thoughts definitely not to how I looked when I was competing because honestly I look back and think I looked absolutely terrible like I just looked ill um I think maybe do you know it's a really difficult one I honestly feel like I'm in a space with myself and my body where I'm just, I like absolutely, I'm so in love with myself. I love that. I think I'm amazing. And I I don't know, I don't think so. If I was to ever look back and compare to a body, it would maybe be when I was a bit more into my exercise, maybe a few years ago. And... I was a little bit more toned and, you know, all of that. But still, I'm happy with my life and what I have right now. So I know I would never want to give up anything that I do or have right now for that body. That's it, isn't it? I often think about like all the kind of mental sacrifices I had to make, the very physical sacrifices in my life that I had to make. Um, And I can't do it again. I can't. I can't go back there. I I feel so much more fulfilled, um, so much more, like I have so much more purpose that feels so much greater than what I look like that I, yeah, I, I don't feel like getting that body would make any difference. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's like knowing, okay, I did it. I I got what I thought I wanted and that this huge overhaul to my life didn't happen. I will say for me, having like um, lost weight and got smaller, I certainly noticed people treated me differently. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I did feel that at the time. And, and I still think that's true. And, but at the same time, uh, yeah, if that was not the body I was meant to be in for like, long term that was a very short term moment in my life um that is not sustainable for me for my mental health or my physical health Mm -hmm. yeah I always say to my clients or even girls like in my membership anyone who I work with who maybe comes to me and says I'm so not happy with the way that I look. I want to lose weight or I want to get filler or I want to change myself in some way. And I ask them why. 
like what you're not chasing the weight loss you're not chasing the difference in your appearance you're chasing a feeling or an unmet need what is that for you and a lot of the time it comes down to like it's either rejection or abandonment so then they think that by changing the way that they look either body or appearance they're going to receive this external validation so then I say okay but when you go home at night and it's just you by yourself with your thoughts will you be happy and if not is it worth it and I think that's a really important thing to remember because you're going to be with you for the rest of your life and I know that's really cliche and people are always like fall in love with yourself because you're going to be with yourself for the rest of your life but you really are going to be with yourself and your thoughts for the rest of your life so if you want to change your external appearance go ahead and do it like do you do what you want I always say just please 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 if you're going to do that please do the work on yourself at the same time to, to find that place of validating yourself and to find that place of happiness that you're trying to find. You are such a big kind of advocate and are really vocal about how doing the, the healing really is an inside job and diet culture and kind of everything else makes us feel like it is about this external problem. That if I just solve the shell of me, you know, mm-hmm. the body that if I just change, get the perfect skin, if I just are a certain dress size, if I just do this, then I will be happy. It's not to say that it is so true that like we say, you do gain privilege with weight loss with certain things and perhaps people will treat you differently. And I so appreciate people want, want and need safety and um, respect that and access to things that they may not have um have had previously but if like you said if we're alone with ourselves with our thoughts so much of I wish we put the same amount of time and energy into who we are and doing that kind of inner work and dealing with those issues that both of us say are the catalyst for our own journeys with food and body and exercise like yes it was food and it was about our bodies and it was about exercise for a bit but the underlying cause of that was a deeper pain and grief and like internal experience of having difficult feelings and emotions to process and not having the tools to do that at all Mm -hmm. um you're now working as a life coach and you're working with people all the time on this stuff you know what do you think about that inner work and what has the inner work involved for you on your own journey? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just so passionate about it and genuinely wish that it was a topic that was mandatory in schools. Same. Like I'm really, I'm really lucky that I am asked to go into schools and deliver workshops on these things. But me popping into a school to do a workshop one time or a few times isn't going to change their lives and change their minds and make them really see the importance of 
healing their stuff and dealing with what they're going through and feeling their emotions and understanding what's really going on for them. I think, I can't remember the question. Well, how do you start with those people and think where to start on that healing journey? And I should just add, because what you said was like perfect. Um, Tiffany Rowe, a therapist who's been on this podcast before, I really recommend listening to her episode. It's called Feel, Deal, Heal. And that mantra is life as far as I'm concerned. I love it. And I feel like that's exactly what you just said. So um, yeah, where do you where do you start with that inner healing? Because like you say, there's no, there seems to be like no manual on how to do it. And it can feel really overwhelming to think like, okay, how do I start, you know, mm-hmm. liking myself and, you know, understanding myself. I, I think there's so much in understanding who we are and why we are the way we are and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to coming to do the inner work, you almost have to do an audit of your life. And a really simple, easy way to do that is by, you could draw a little wheel, a little circle and chop it into segments and write down the most important parts of your life. And then ask yourself, like rate those areas of your life out of 10. How do you really feel in those areas of life? And once you've done that, I think it's really important to then start to Think about what what am I believing? And are the things that I'm believing about myself, about the world, about relationships, about work, about life, are they my thoughts on these things or have they been passed on to me from either family or friends or environment? And if so, if you was to get rid of all of the noise of everybody on the on the outside of you and you was to come back home to yourself and ask, what do I want and what do I believe? What would change for you? So one thing I'm really strong on when I first start to work with people is to get them to start to break down these beliefs. Like a lot of the time, you know, there's things like limiting beliefs, the the beliefs, the beliefs about yourself and about the world that are really holding you back from doing what you want to do. When it comes to anything in life, the only thing that's ever holding you back is your own mind. So if you can start to challenge all of the thoughts that you have, a big part of personal growth is complete confrontation of yourself like you have to confront yourself multiple times a day why am I doing that why did I just say that why did that hurt me Mm. yet she said the same to the next person and and she's gone about her day unbothered that makes me think of when we talk about people getting triggered by things people say or things that come up maybe even in our conversation today, people listening are like, oh, that jarred me. I often now think like when I find myself getting, like if I'm just scrolling on social media, especially if I watch someone's story or something, I think they're annoying or that's irritating or like, ugh, why are they doing that? Ugh, I don't like that. I often think, okay, Tally, get curious. What is it in that person that is kind of reflecting back at you something you don't like about yourself or what are you seeing there that's why is that annoying to you okay some people are objectively annoying like I do think that's a fact but I often think we have we get we we have certain reactions to things because there's stuff that's 
oh, there's something there that I need to think about and talk about and write about and, you know, maybe speak to my therapist about. Um, And that has been huge for me in my, like, you know, um, last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it can be a really deep process that a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't want to do, but it's it's one of the easiest ways to start doing the work. Scroll through Instagram, like you just said, and what's what and who is triggering me right now and what about it or about them is triggering me when it comes to comparison we never really want we don't compare and envy that person as a whole and their life as a whole we we envy small segments of their life or that person and those things that we envy ask yourself am I not meeting those needs within myself? Am I not doing those things for myself? Or have I? am I lacking in those things for myself? And then ask yourself, how can I start to improve that or build more of that in my life? That's one of the best ways to start doing this healing and doing this working on yourself. Um, it doesn't have to be massively complicated. I do think one of the, one of the biggest and best things to do and to look into is to understand what you really value in your life yes um a lot of the time especially today when everything's about how many followers can you get how much money can you make how you know how long until you can afford the car or the house and have all of these things to show when you can come back home to yourself and ask yourself what do I really value what are the things that mean the most to me? And then you can start to live more of a value-led life as opposed to a goals-driven life. You can guarantee that you're always going to be happy and content in who you are and what you're doing. And I think, especially myself anyway, by living by my values and staying really true to myself, it's made such a huge difference in my self-confidence, my self-esteem and my goals and what I want out of my life. What are some of your values that are really important to you? So my strongest value, and you will probably know this just from knowing me for the last seven years, um, my strongest value, number one most important thing for me is honesty. So, and we both know this has has gotten me in trouble a few times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because I am, you know, I think just be honest, just lay it on the table and we figure it out from there. Whereas not everybody is like that. Like you don't really like confrontation. Hey, confrontation. Well, I, <laughs> I don't see my honesty as being confrontational. I just see it as, you know, let's just be honest about what's going on. So honesty is my number one value. And then second um, top is freedom. So I need to always have an element of freedom in my life. So if we just have a look at those for anybody thinking, okay, so you've got honesty and freedom as your values, then what? So when it comes to my work, I need to make sure that I've got relationships with people where I can be really honest and I can be really honest with myself. And when I'm showing up on social media, I need to make sure I'm being really honest Otherwise, I'm going to feel really anxious. I'm really like, oh, this doesn't feel right for me. And when it comes to my work, I need to make sure I can have an element of freedom. I can't tie myself down to jobs. If people want me to show up physically somewhere for more than six weeks, 
I panic. I'm like, I need to get out because this commitment is not for me. And it's not it's not that I've got commitment issues. It's that I've, I need to know that if I want to go and work from Spain next week, I can go to Spain. Or if I want to go traveling, I can go travel, have that freedom and still do my work while I'm doing it. And, and by really honoring and acknowledging those values in all areas of my life, it's allowed me to just feel content and happy with what I'm doing because a lot of the time we don't live by our values and when you don't live by your values so if I wasn't living by being honest and I was spouting shit on social media and I wasn't being true to who I was I would feel so deeply insecure and anxious and that's one of the biggest things that can happen when you're not living by your values. Oh I think that's such a great place to start um and you are also one of the biggest fans of journaling that I know. Um, you've even brought out your own journal, um, the Glow Up Journal. And yeah, like talk us through how journaling can be a part of that getting to know yourself and getting to understand yourself and starting to kind of figure out who you are and who you want to be. Oh, I, I just love journaling so much. Honestly, let's go back to talking about being triggered. Yes, a lot of people will say, I'm triggered. Mm-hmm. That's triggered me. And they stop at that. So if you just highlight all of the different areas of life where you've been triggered and you stop at that, then you're going to get nowhere and you're going to continue to be triggered by that thing. Now, where I think journaling can really help and come in to help you with these processes is when you come pen to paper and you allow your mind to just write. And the most important thing when it comes to free write journaling, so I'm not talking about prompted journaling here, but just getting a notebook, getting your pen and writing. When you come to do that, you access the subconscious part of your mind, the conscious part of your mind, should I say? No, your subconscious, you access the subconscious part of your mind. So you're accessing the part of your mind that you you wouldn't really kind of tap into. But that part of your mind knows everything. That part of your mind knows all. It knows what's really going on for you behind those triggers. When you bring pen to paper and you don't judge yourself in the process, it's important to note that we're not writing a novel. We're writing our thoughts so we can let go of our thoughts, put them onto paper and leave them there or just try to figure things out. So say you get triggered from somebody on Instagram, come to your notebook and write. Just start off with, I feel triggered about, I saw, I feel triggered by this girl. She's gone on holiday with her partner. Okay, so this has triggered me because, and just allow yourself to write. And by doing that, you're you're peeling back those layers of your mind and you're going to get to the core of what's really going on for you. Maybe what you might come down to if if you're if that's your situation you're jealous of somebody who's on holiday with their partner maybe what's really going on for you and what feels triggered for you is perhaps in your relationship you're not so happy or you're feeling not so fulfilled or you just wish you had more fun in your relationship and that's the trigger moment okay you've figured that out now through your journaling so what can you do to go and improve that so I think journaling can really help for things like that but also if you have a really busy mind we don't need like we are not our thoughts and it's really important to know that we are not our thoughts they are not a deep ingrained part of us our thoughts are ever coming and ever going so we 
almost need to find a way to be able to allow those thoughts to leave our mind and push them on so then we can experience new thoughts and we can move on with our lives. So journaling is just a really great way to to just experience what's going on for you in your mind and leave it there. And then prompted journaling, things like, you know, asking yourself, what things are you grateful for? What do you want to get done that day? Something I love to ask is, how do I want to show up today? And by doing those kind of prompted journaling, those journal prompts, you're choosing how you want to show up, you're choosing how you want to be, you're showing up to life with intention. And I think it's really fucking important to show up to your life with intention. Because if you don't, you get dragged in so many different directions, and you get to the end of the day, and you think, oh my gosh, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed. I feel that on a regular basis. So I need, so you're really big on your, there's a couple of things, but you are really big on your morning journaling. And I feel like, yeah, that I need to take on that practice. I need to be more disciplined with it because I think you're right. Like to really just set your day up is so helpful. And on my busiest days, when I really, when I really need to get work done, especially I do sit and write out everything I need to do. Every single thought of like all the random little jobs I need to do. I write everything down because once it's all on paper, it makes sense. And I think if we can do that with to-do lists or our shopping lists, we can do that with other parts of our life as well. Like it's so important. And I also wanted to pick up on your point about, um, the idea that you are not your thoughts because for me that was a really powerful realization and I recently um on my first train happy retreat in forever I did a body image workshop and the thing that kept coming up is I I I wanted to really get across to the group that when you're having these thoughts about your body image and that you know, that going back on that diet could help solve the issue or feel or like starting to really talk to yourself in a really negative way. That isn't you. Mm. That is a part of your brain that has been conditioned to think that way. That's a learned thought pattern Mm -hmm. and it's not yours. And I like to say that is diet culture's voice in your head. And we need to learn to turn that down and turn up the voice of you and who you are and what you want. Um, And so as a group, we decided that diet culture was called Simon. We named him. He's called Simon. And when we really, when the, when the thought comes in your head, like when you're looking in the mirror and you're going like, oh, like I need to like, I need to do something about this cellulite. Like, this is, you know, this is awful. Go like, okay, Simon, that's, I hear you. That's your voice. That's not mine. Okay, I hear you, but I don't have to respond to you. I don't have to do what you're telling me to do. Um, That's been really powerful for me to kind of put a name to something and to go, oh, that's not me. And just because I think it does not mean I have to do it. Yeah. And on that note, it's really important to remember that our mind isn't trying to bully us to be awful. Our mind brings these thoughts up and carries these kind of thoughts and even the critical thoughts and the fears and all of the things that we might class as negative. That's happening for us because our mind tries to do whatever it can to protect us. 
So if you've learned that, or you've maybe seen, you've read a magazine and front page, the 10 worst celebrities cellulite, yeah? And they've been slammed to thousands of people are gonna read this magazine. Straight away, your mind's thinking, right, okay. All of these women have been shamed for their cellulite. So for me to be able to protect you, what I'm gonna do is every time I look in the mirror and I see that you've got this cellulite, I'm gonna make you aware. I'm gonna make sure you don't wear the shorts or you don't wear the skirt or you don't wear the dress to get that cellulite out because what might happen to you might be what happened to these celebrities. You might have people pointing at you. You might have people shaming you for that cellulite. So all your mind's trying to do is to protect you. But you can acknowledge that. Thanks, Simon. Thank you for protecting me. <laughs> yeah. I like honestly. that spin on it. I love that. Thank you, Simon. Uh-huh, well, I hear yeah. you. But. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Simon. Um, but I'm okay. I've got this. Yeah, I trust myself. And I think that was a, that's a really big theme I like to get across on this podcast. And when I'm talking about intuitive movement and everything like that, this idea of trusting yourself to make the best decisions for yourself feels a really alien concept when so much of society gaslights us especially women into thinking that we don't know what's best for us we don't know what's best for our bodies we don't know what's best for our mind we don't know how to dress we need people to tell us all of these things we don't know how to exercise which is why we you know hire all these external things to try and get us to know ourselves when really we just need to do some work on building that trust and getting to know ourselves. Um, and I think journaling, like you say, is such a fantastic way to do that and um, and can be a really accessible way to do that. I really like to, to kind of say that because I obviously am such a huge fan of therapy. You're a life coach. I think coaching is amazing, um, but it's not necessarily available and easy to access for everyone. And so... Um, yeah, pen to paper is something we can all do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, honestly, when it comes to trust, one of the biggest things that I've wanted to to drill into, especially my clients, but on social media as well, is getting really clear on this idea of self-love. I feel like social media has made self-love super wishy-washy. But self-love in its entity is one of the most beautiful things when you know how to access it properly as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to have a bubble bath and and have a face mask. Maybe that's an element of self-love, but it's not self-love. And something that I say to people is, you know how to love other people. What are the things that you do to, to love other people? Okay, so you check in with those people journaling how can you check in with yourself journal check in with with you how are you Mm. feeling you show up for other people how can you start to show up for yourself and you can do that via rituals routines habits boundaries boundaries yeah and making sure so just as if you 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 wouldn't want to cancel on your friend or your partner all the time don't cancel on yourself love yourself enough to not cancel on yourself having things, you know, being more vulnerable, how can you start to ask for help? 
just as you just as you'd expect the people who you love to ask for your help how can you start asking for help and honoring yourself with that I can't remember what the rest are self-compassion really important again so yeah and I I feel like self-compassion again it's gone wishy-washy it's gone okay if you don't want to do it then don't it's fine run away from it well no self-compassion is saying to yourself what is the best thing for me right now what's the best thing for me and my higher self right now what's going to help me get to where I want to be and what's the most compassionate thing that I could honor myself with right now from a place of kindness and I think when we can when we can think about these things for, for for how we will do them for other people and start to do them for ourselves, that's when we can create this crazy amount of self-love when we really start to show up for ourselves. I love that reframe. I think that's so helpful to put that in that perspective. Like, okay, if I was going to do this for someone else, how would I do it? Okay, we'll do it for yourself that way. That really makes so much sense to me and I've never heard it explained in that way and I love that I do think self-love as well like feels so I think we've like built it up so much as well to think that self-love means that every single second of every single day you love yourself inside and out and it's easy and whatever and I think when I think of love I think it's almost like that should be like the thought bubble in the middle and then offshoots of that are like you say, self-respect, self-compassion. And it's not necessarily like this rose, rose tinted. I, I love myself all the time. And don't get me wrong. You can say that. And that that's not a bad thing, but I think sometimes loving yourself is accepting. Loving yourself is neutral about certain things. Loving yourself is not like, I love my body 24 seven. It's like, okay, this is my body. Mm-hmm. And that can be loving yourself in that moment. And it, and um, yeah, there, there's parts of it and it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? I think when you and I, when you and I were like, and that perhaps early in your um, re- journey of recovery with anorexia, like the idea of loving yourself probably felt so far away that slowly building up to acceptance neutrality respect can feel way more achievable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I agree with that but I do think like my thought process of this is you wouldn't just accept somebody in your life you only really want somebody in your life when you love them. Like you are so much more worthy than just accepting yourself. Like you don't just want to accept yourself. Like you are worth so much more than that. But I think what my thoughts are and and what you just said is when you're in a relationship, me and you have been in in our relationships for a, a good few years like six plus years so when you're in a relationship it's messy yeah it's contradictory it's all over the place sometimes you have days when it's like so solid and it's you know it's sensual and it's incredible and you feel like you're flying and then you have other days and you're thinking what like 
get get me out well you might not do but I am <laughs> I'm like get me out like I need to run um and I think that's that's exactly like the experience of self-love mm. and it doesn't mean when you're having those bad days it doesn't mean that you don't love that person anymore you yeah. still love that person deeply and you love them enough to want to heal whatever's going on so when it comes to self-love you can have that messiness like when it comes to the self-compassion element of self-love we're allowing ourselves to be human. You're allowing yourself to fail at things and, you know, to be rejected and be abandoned and have all of the worst things that you could ever think of happen to you, but still know that you're worthy of love. And I think that's my view on self-love. It's not self-love. It doesn't have to be me on social media. Like I love myself. Everyone. I love myself. I'm so gorgeous. I really love myself. It's, it doesn't have to be that. It's just this kind of deep inner knowing in your heart where you just are open to receiving love and giving that love to yourself. Do you know what? I completely agree. I think you're right. It is a relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-love is a relationship and it's, yeah. And treating it like that, I think is so important because you're right. Like I, and do you know what I think this like falls into our perfectionist tendencies because I share them too like my perfectionist self wants to go like well self-love is perfect and whatever and there's a you know it should be like rosy and perfect and amazing um but you're right like if we allow room for the messiness of it all that can be so liberating and can really take the pressure off that experience I love that um before we go today, I wanted to talk about um, your most recent train happy moment. And I want to kind of go into it by saying that I know that we haven't, I wish we spoke about it a bit more today, but I need more time. We're running out of time. But you have had your own journey with exercise specifically. And after leaving competing, kind of finding your way with what you really enjoy and kind of getting to a place where you yeah you you kind of are figuring out what you actually like to do and we did speak about this on our previous episode together with Zana so do check back in the archives for that episode um but yeah what's been your most recent train happy moment and where are you at now with movement so I'll start with where I'm at now I I am just so chill, really. Since we've come out of lockdown, my so my partner Mike is a personal trainer for anyone who doesn't know, and he has his own gym. So, and it's like a class based thing. So, you've been. You I came. have to say, great vibe. It's called Strength in Numbers Sin Gym in Manchester. Let's let's give it a plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And the vibe was like, yeah, group training, but um, really friendly, fun. And what I really liked about it is everyone in the room was listening to their body in terms of going like, if I want to take it easy on this bit, I can take it easy. And there wasn't an instructor going, no, you've got to do this. It was very much like everyone taking it at their own pace, which I think is really um, special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I I do that. I, I kind of commit to doing it on a Tuesday and a Thursday, sometimes a Saturday. And I do it first thing in the morning. But like this week has been crazy with um, a launch that I've had on. So Tuesday I woke up and 
I just text Mike. He was already at the gym. And I woke up at six o'clock. He was already at the gym. How horrendous. <laughs> so I texted him and I was like, listen, I need sleep. Um, this isn't for me right now. So I'm just, I'm so chill with exercise. But I value myself and I honour myself enough to commit to doing some kind of movement because I think it's really important. So my um, train happy moment was actually this morning. So I, well, I was supposed to be at the gym for seven and I thought, which wouldn't mean, it means I have to get up at six. But I finished the launch yesterday. I was like, I need sleep. So I slept in for an hour. I went to the gym at eight I had I went to the eight o'clock class and Mike was like oh we're doing the strength test now I considering I was a bodybuilder I hate weights I hate doing them I just don't enjoy it it was a big part of it was a big part of your kind of disorder at the time and like you've been strong mm -hmm. but it's not for you right now no and it like we do a little bit of weights in the in the circuity things that we do, but I love cardio. Like I genuinely love this the competition element of what we do in in the sessions and just kind of really getting my heart rate up. I just love that. Get get it done. Leave. So I get there today, and he goes, "Oh, we've got we, we've got the strength test." And I thought, strength test. I don't want to do a strength test. I said, I've, I've not tried to lift anything heavier than like heavier than a seven kg in about three months. Um, so then I thought, right, I'll just do it. I'll not kick up a fuss. And then I went over to Mike and I was like, listen, I really want to do, I just felt like I wanted to run. I don't know why. I was like, I really want to do the, uh, the run. So that's part of the fitness test. So he was like, okay, you go and do the run. So I did, I did the little run thing. It was like an eight minute run. I came back in and I was like, right, okay, maybe I'll try, I'll try a bit of a deadlift and I'll try a bit of a pull up and then I'll do the plank. So these were parts of the strength test, but I just didn't do it all. And I just said to Mike, this is what I want to do. (laughs) And I've had enough now. And I'm really happy. I'm really pleased with it all. I don't want to try and lift too heavy. I'm happy. And yeah, that was my train happy moment. I feel like I generally am just a a happy trainer these days. Do you know what that says to me though? Because I know you and I know that previously exercising and would would largely be from the ego. And so in that, in a, in a fitness test scenario, you would want to have been the best in the room. Your perfectionist self and your ego would want you to like make everyone think that you were the strongest there, the fittest there, the fastest. And for you to go like, do you know what? I don't really care. And I'm just going to do what feels good for me is huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's some people um, in the group who are quite new to fitness and new to lifting and there I I can see that they're so in that headspace that I used to be in where you know what did she lift okay I need to do 10 kgs heavier whereas now I can look at those people and I'm like well done like I'm so happy for them but I'm also just happy I just know I know I, I found that trust that trust that you were talking about I found the trust within myself I know what my body wants and needs and I'll give myself that I think that's huge and yeah it's definitely a process to get there but you you got there it's amazing yeah we did it together we did do it together Vic I have loved chatting to you and 
we're gonna have to do this again at some point because I feel like we could have a whole other conversation but where can everyone find you find more about your journal um and your community so you can follow me on at Victoria Neve and then if you want way more of the mindset stuff doing the work on yourself um you can follow my other page which is called at the glow up project underscore and from that page and from my page you can find the website for the journal and yeah if you ever decided in future that you wanted to have some guidance on um experiencing the real glow up which is your inner glow up then I have my glow up community Uh, the doors aren't open at the minute but they will be reopening in January I will link all of that for everyone um, in the show notes so that they can find you. But thank you so much, Vic. It's, it's been so good. Thank you for having me. Honestly, a pleasure. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the train happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.